What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and welcome to episode 107 of Crossover Commerce Inventory Minded Marketing. With the new inventory restrictions on top of COVID-related supply chain issues, inventory management has become a subject that has become increasingly important towards scaling and business success. So today, to help clear up some of these headaches, we're going to discuss inventory-minded marketing and why marketing inventory relationship is vital for online seller success. Welcome everyone again to episode 107 of Crossover Commerce. I'm Ryan Kramer, and as always, Crossover Commerce is presented by Ping Pong Payments. Ping pong, trans, ping pong transfers more than $150 million a day for e-commerce sellers just like you, helping over 1 million customers now. Ping pong has processed over $90 billion in cross-border payments. And to start saving today with the payment service provider, go ahead and sign them for free today. Click on that link below. Check out the show notes for all the great tips and tricks that we're going to be talking about today, where to follow us, where to check out if you want to connect with our guest after the show. It's all going to be right there. Just click below and go ahead and check out those links. Uh, a big welcome to our audience who's watching on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter live. Or if you're listening to us via podcast on uh, audio version, whether it's on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, wherever you consume our podcast, that's where we're going to be. Thanks for listening to us live. We appreciate everyone who tunes into these episodes. Again, episode 107, we're going to be talking about inventory. It's one of those headaches that so many Amazon and e-commerce businesses have headaches around. So that's why our guest today is the master at what is going to be talked about today. We're going to get the insights, tips and tricks on how to be more efficient, how to kind of sidestep these issues, and maybe optimize your business a little bit more. So stay tuned. Really excited about having her on today. About our guest today, actually, Chelsea is the co-founder of So Stocked. Uh, she has spoken to hundreds of six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon sellers about inventory management and has been able to isolate the biggest mistakes and the most vital best practices to actionably improve inventory management. Ultimately, this leads to scalability and profitability in any Amazon business. Her company, So Stocked, is Amazon inventory management forecasting and tracking software that has inventory marketing mindset that makes managing inventory easier and realistic. Developed by her and her team, based on extensive feedback from hundreds of sellers, SoStocked is fully customizable and fully understandable so that you can trust the numbers, fine-tune your forecasts, and finally ditch those Google spreadsheets. Or, I should say, uh, other spreadsheets. Don't want don't to pigeonhole myself into Google spreadsheets. But anyways, uh, just ditching them in general is a great thing. So Stocked is fast becoming a go-to tool with Amazon sellers just like you and inventory management. Go ahead and give me a warm welcome. Shout out to Chelsea Cohen of SoStock. Chelsea, how are you doing today? How are you? You're on the road today. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I'm uh, I'm traveling. I'm in New Mexico right now, so we're in a hotel. Um, but we wanted to, to make this happen. So uh, I see there's a couple of comments. Uh, good morning, Lisa. Nice Lisa to, over there uh, at Link Up Leaders. Lisa's always tuning in, so we appreciate Lisa always at least catching us for a little bit. I know you were yeah. on their show, but uh, mm -hmm. there, there's a lot going on right now, right? Yeah. There's uh, obviously with uh, not just traveling going on in the United States here. If you're listening to us abroad, 
so much has been kind of happening in the last week crazily, but you and your team have been focused on this one major issue, I should say, or major process for such a long time now, but you have it down to almost a science. Mm -hmm. So for people who may not know your background or kind of the sales history, but also the, uh, so stocked history, I want to say so stoked. I blame my, I blame (laughs) my uh, coworker because he goes, it looks like so stoked. Like I'm like Uh really excited and I've always in my head want to say so stoked now. So I blame him. Mm -hmm. If I say that today, everyone, I apologize. (laughs) But yeah. it's an exciting, it's an exciting phrase. So, so stoked. How'd this come about? What's kind of the history behind it? Um, yeah. So I've been a seller since 2014 and um, got into kind of the, the mentor slash coaching space a little bit um, in 2015 and 16, worked with Ryan Moran as one of his mentors. Um, so kind of the gradual process, I was getting into, you know, working with a lot of other sellers and, um, you know, around about 2018, I realized, you know, uh, there was a a big margin crunch. People were having trouble with margins. I myself in my own company was having trouble with margins shrinking and trying to isolate what are those things that I can control that can put the money back in my pocket and, uh, increase the profitability of my company and came down to a lot of inventory management mistakes that I was making. So with those inventory management mistakes, um, knew I had to get really good at inventory management. So I kind of dove in and realized how much time it takes to really get good at inventory management. And um, in that process, I started looking for various different tools, you know, well, a software can hopefully do that. And, you know, tried a a couple of different softwares. Some were very expensive. Some didn't really make sense to me. You know, they made made sense for some of my products, not for all of my products. It just seemed too cookie cutter. Um, I have an accounting background, so numbers have to make sense to me. And the numbers just didn't make sense. It was these secret algorithms and, you know, you don't need to know. You're not smart enough to know. Uh, And that just didn't kind of fly for me. And, you know, I wanted to know. I wanted to understand the numbers and I also wanted to be able to customize the numbers because you know let's face it we know more about our business than an algorithm does right just look at Amazon and Amazon's algorithm and what they think we should be able to send in Um, so we should be able to say okay you know past data is good right let's we, we we need to use past data to help predict future sales but what about all of the things that we have planned you know uh, an algorithm doesn't know that we are going to aggressively market this particular SKU or do a lightning deal or work with an influencer. Amazon or uh, the algorithm doesn't know that. So we need to be able to tell them that. And that's why so many people stuck to spreadsheets. And I, you know, and asking around in the masterminds that I was part of, you know, what are you using? What what tools are you using? What software are you using? And the answer invariably came back as we've tried everything. Nothing seems to work. We've gone back to spreadsheets. So that was kind of the start of they my- They just abandoned like, ship and then go back to what they're used to, right? Yep, yep, yeah. So, you know, because obviously something wasn't working right. And I saw that as an opportunity, never been in software, never built a software before, but saw it as an opportunity to to fill a gap. Right. And so I decided, well, I'm just going to have to find someone who's willing to do this. And two weeks after I decided that I was just going to find someone, I ran into Dan Fernandez. He's the founder of Thomason.com. 
I had heard of Thomason and used Thomason in 2015. It's a brand influencer connector. So it, it you know, brands can find influencers to talk about their product. And um, so he was a speaker at an event. I was a speaker at small event outside of uh, Sugarland, Texas. And he was a last minute addition. It was just all sorts of, you know, serendipity. And he kept, we, we hung out that whole weekend and he kept complaining that he was bored and he needed a new SaaS project. And I needed someone to build a SaaS project for me. There you go. So I kind of, you know, I was like, hey, I want to do this. And he was just like, you know, he thought at first that I wanted to have him make it. And I was like, no, I want to do this with you. And that was when, you know, he really saw that we could do something because, you know, I was already in the, the uh, seller space, I already knew, it, you know, all about Amazon. And I knew uh, a lot of people in the space. So that was kind of when it all started was uh, mid mid 2018. We ended okay. up launching 2019. Wow. So you guys were ahead of the curve before all the issues we're having right now. Did yes. you ever think that? So when you, you mentioned back the phrase that I caught on and I'm really drawn to is the numbers were wrong. When yeah. you, when you say that, mm -hmm. obviously it's not like it's supposed to be 10 units, but it's actually eight. What do you right. mean by numbers are wrong? Can you go a little bit more detail? Like what that would mean for a seller? Yeah. So, um, we tend to look at, you know, how much did I sell last, you know, last year? How much did I sell, you know, last season? And um, not putting the stockouts or sales spikes in there or putting in, putting those things in and they're wrong, right? Um, for example, you can be stocked out and you can be looking at the last 30 days of sales and you can say, okay, well, I'm stocked out and I was stocked out for 10 days, but you know, but then Amazon found one unit and one of those days was marked as an in-stock day because you sold uh, one unit. But that inventory potentially, you know, sells 150 units. That's a huge difference when you're looking at the past 30 days of sales. So, you know, that in itself, the, we call it adjusted daily adjusted velocity and it's adjusted for sales spikes and stockouts. That's kind of the first foundational thing is how are you looking at your inventory and the past 30 days, you're going to remember a stock out. But last year, you may not, especially if you have, you know, dozens of SKUs or hundreds of SKUs like some people have. Right. If you're managing at scale, I can't imagine people knowing specific days when they were actually stocked out and how long each SKU and inventory levels were stocked out. That, that's fascinating because I would think that Amazon would make that as a just a check mark almost like a day, like you were in stock, super simple, straightforward, like Amazon does with their, like with their reporting systems. But that regards how, how big of a swing can that be in terms of other softwares or other, like, uh, for a seller, how big of an impact can that be in terms of inventory or revenue projections yeah. moving forward? What, yeah. What's that impact to your, to your pocket? I mean, it depends. It depends on, you know, the individual, uh, account, you know, for some accounts, it could be, you know, over a year, it could be thousands. For some, it could be, you know, tens of thousands or even, you know, hundreds of thousands. So it really is relative to that particular um, account. And it also is relative to how good you are at staying in stock. So if you haven't stocked out that much, then uh, it won't be it won't be a, a big deal. But if you have um, and you don't have a proper system in place, you know, we'll have people come in. It's very interesting because you have top sellers, you know. Um, eight figure sellers sometimes come in and they'll look at their numbers. And we actually had someone who 
he was using another platform. I won't name names, but he was using another platform and he found that it was wrong, but it was the only thing that he really had for the past, you know, many years. And then he looked at, okay, well, there are specific SKUs that I actually have to override the, and, and do the calculation. And he would always skew higher with his calculation. And so he was looking at what does that other software say? What does SoStock say? What does his spreadsheet say? And he found that even his spreadsheet was skewing low. And he all of a sudden realized why he was running out of stock. So, um, and that's, you know, and, and this is what, you know, a big time seller who had already figured out that things weren't going right, but he was still skewing low. Um, I think it was that 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 software said it. He was selling eight units a day, and he was in the wholesale wholesale space. Eight units a day. He said he was selling like twelve units, and we said he was selling fifteen units a day. And so all of a sudden, he realized, oh, this is why I'm stocking out. Um, and he was able to make that adjustment. So, what's the number one reason people are stocking out? Is it just because mm -hmm. of wrong numbers? Is that is that it? Um, no, not exactly. Our industry is very marketing focused um, and don't plan, don't tend to vet inventory against their marketing plans. Uh, it can be wrong calculation, but often it's not really putting your marketing plans into your inventory plans. I have a copywriting agency as well, so I've been able to be on that side of things and um, able to see people who have created uh, email campaigns for Mother's Day or lightning deals and, you know, going into Mother's Day uh, saying on a whim, let's plan a sale and running that sale, doing a 20% off coupon code, and then the next month running out of stock. And the reason behind that is that you didn't really plan it out. And so you're actually, the cost of stocking out is uh, much larger than what we think it is. We think the cost of stocking out is, uh, you know, the lost revenue, the um, the cost of re-ranking, the cost to do air shipment, which all of that can be very expensive, but the additional cost of stocking out is all of the money that you spent on marketing to drive you into a stock out when you could have had full price sales. Right, the, almost the lost cost of doing business when you could be making a profit, it's all just a negative in your balance sheet. Fascinating. So, so a lot of people are, are probably listening to this and they're thinking it's just a nightmare with, it's almost a daunting task, right? When I look at as a beginner seller versus maybe a more experienced seller for beginner sellers, what are the number one issues that they're going to be looking at right now? They're going to look at the parking lot. That is the uh, Pacific ocean across our mm -hmm. Western uh, coastline, right? Yeah. They're going to be looking at when I should plan inventory holidays, potential shutdowns. I was listening to uh, Clubhouse yesterday or a few days ago, and they were talking about even forecasting for 2022 because China or somewhere, I, for, I believe it's somewhere in China, they're just going to have a month-long shutdown because of uh, not just Chinese New Year, but also the Olympics is happening. So just nightmare in terms of logistics and planning for that. So they said, if you're not going to order by October of this year for Q1, Q2, 2022, you're going to be wow. in big trouble. So yeah. what are all, what are all these things that you have to account for as a beginner seller? Yeah. Um, so ordering early at this point is important. Um, you have to, you have to, you know, you have to start planning on that, but then we're no, we're seeing that 
lead times are, are becoming longer. So, you know, you have to plan further in advance. And then you also have to uh, plan for what we call buffer stock. It's also known as safety stock. That's extra stock that you have on hand just in case anything goes wrong, any slows occur. Um, you have that extra cushion so that you can ensure that you're staying in stock. And that's an extremely important thing. We, I usually say if there are two things that you did, inventory-minded marketing, right, applying your marketing plans to your inventory plans, and buffer stock are the two things that you should be applying as soon as possible in your inventory planning. So with that being said, how do you, with the moving targets, targets such as either Prime Day or things that don't get announced quickly and effectively, what, what's the best way for a seller to plan for potential things happening, whether it could be in June this year yeah. and like last year, it was in October. So there's a complete two month gap of how to yeah. plan for that. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the problems that you come up against are, you know, cash flow that's one of the, the biggest problems. It's like, okay, yeah, I would love to, you know, buy six months worth of inventory, but uh, it ties up my capital. It's expensive for storage um, and all of those things. So controlling, creatively controlling your cash flow in, in terms of laying out how you process your orders with your supplier. Uh, and this does work better for suppliers who you've been working with for a while, but you know, you, you, you can always try to negotiate with your suppliers, especially if you approach it on a win-win situation of, you know, this is why it's good for me. This is why it's good for you. But the, the way that you would potentially lay that out, um, for one, you need to have a, a third-party warehouse. You need to have that backup just because Amazon doesn't allow you to send enough inventory in um, to be able to uh, feasibly flow that, um, you mm -hmm. know, keep that cushion there. So I would say, you know, you have a cushion at Amazon uh, based on what they will allow and also making sure with these new restock limits, making sure that you don't have too much, too many slow movers uh, kind of taking the space of some of your best sellers. You know, we've got this new storage type limit. Um, so, you know, doing an assessment, I said that initially doing an assessment to make sure that you're prioritizing your best sellers and potentially running a liquidation sale on some of those slower sellers, that's going to one free up space for your bigger sellers, but also the velocity of uh, the additional velocity at that time is going to allow for more restock limit because we are on a storage type, um, which means all ASINs, the velocity of all ASINs are being combined. So uh, to do a quick boost and, and um, free up some space, running, you know, running a flash sale on some of those, you know, slow movers, excess inventory uh, is a good first step to planning, especially when we have prime day coming up and, you know, you're nervous about the amount of inventory you don't have at, at the, uh, at the warehouse doing that, uh, having a local third party warehouse, and then also uh, working with your supplier to have a third party warehouse with your supplier or, nearby. Most people will be able to store uh, inventory at their supplier's warehouse, uh, often for free for up to about three months. And that's something that you can negotiate with your supplier. And they will only require you to pay the final, the final payment on what you ship out. So you can say, you know, uh, order 10,000 units of a product and ship three, you know, and then keep the other seven there for and then ship it out, you know, uh, every month for the next three months, 
ship out the remaining inventory. And so you're only playing, putting the deposit down on that 10,000, you know, say it's 30% down on that 10,000. And then you set, send the first three and they, and then you pay the other 70% on that 3000. And so that 7,000, you're not paying all that, that money, you're paying it as you're sending it in and you're using it. That's a fantastic tip because I never understood people moving 10,000 units when Amazon will only allow, you know, a couple thousand here or there because of the limits that you had mentioned, it's become Mm -hmm. such a nightmare for even not just beginner sellers trying to launch new products, but it's seasoned brands who have been there long enough. Do they, the questions now are, do I launch new products? Do I get rid of that dead inventory weight? Because by and large, Amazon, I, I can't fault them for what they're trying to do. I understand yeah. that they're at capacity. Their warehouses are meant for short-term, quick-moving products. Mm-hmm. Lots of people are just sending in tens of thousands of units, and lots of it sit there. Yeah. It occurs fees, but it's not accounting for the quick velocity that they could be turning and burning, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. so Yeah, exactly. With, with that being said, are we going to start to see this influx of third-party warehousing growth like boom is that is that where the industry is heading because um, of this? It's, it's interesting because you would think that that was what would have happened last year but we actually right. saw a lot of closures last year um, hmm. of warehouses and they basically had to either sink or swim um, I do feel like it's going to head in that direction it has to be profitable for them but one of the things that occurred was Amazon was sending back so much inventory um, that you know with these some of these changes that they ended up just getting swamped and so you know i had a friend who has who owns a warehouse and he was saying you know he's got probably a hundred thousand dollars in fees sitting there he can't he doesn't know who to charge because amazon sent out so much inventory they're so busy and they don't have they didn't have time to sort through whose stuff is this that we're actually housing and so so it's he basically had to start thinking of okay let let me open up and get a bigger warehouse. Let me hire more staff. I got to train them up. So that's starting to happen is that the scalability of that business um, is not, you know, is not extremely fast. And so we did see, you know, I have a, a, a warehouse that we were housing in that ended up shutting down and we had to pay um, the additional fees to ship it to, to my friend's warehouse. And so, you know, I think that you're going to start seeing the, the cream will rise to the top, and you know the people that are good at what they do and can scale will be opening up but you do have to be careful with who you put your stuff with because if you're if you've got someone who they're they're trying to take on business as a last ditch effort to stay alive and then you send all your inventory there and then they shut down in a couple of months then you have to pay to transfer all of that inventory out of that warehouse so it's very important to talk to warehouses, you know, I do think that there will be more people coming into this space and taking advantage of that. Um, but you do have to make sure that they know what they're doing. When I hear that, it, it scares me anymore. It, even more as a seller who wants to get online. Is this going to be something where when you're talking about getting into the Amazon space, your barrier to entry just becomes even higher? Or is this going to be something that's just going to weed out bad actors and people who just don't want to invest into an actual business? Does that make sense? Does that question yeah. make sense? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, anyone who's getting into private labels specifically, and, and private labels where the majority of the storage is. So if you're into wholesale, you're able to purchase uh, a low enough amount of inventory that you're not storing it. You know, if you're in retail arbitrage, if you're, you know, drop shipping, of course, those types of Amazon sellers are not going to be very much affected by, by this because they're able to purchase in smaller amounts. Private label is going to be affected for sure. Um, I think that there are going to be people that are going to, you know, if you're going to get, I, I'll just say this, if you're going to get into private label, you need to be ready to spend money. And, and the private label business model is not a fly by night. It's something that you have to invest a lot of money in. So anyone who's getting into that space needs to understand that they're investing thousands of dollars into their first product. And they're going to have to deal with all of these kind of hoops. I do think that the get rich quick guys are not going to necessarily be approaching this space um, as as readily as maybe you know some of the other ways of selling on Amazon because of this and um, you know yeah I think that that's probably the, the rest of us that, right good for the that? rest of us good for the rest of us yeah right? yeah exactly it's you know it getting harder means that you have to be have to be better and so um, we're learning that you have to be better at everything. And I like to say that I think that the industry is growing up. We used to be inter internet marketers and now we're becoming business owners by doing, by moving into the inventory space and moving into the cash flow space, really understanding that those pieces are three, three parts to a puzzle or to a cycle. Why if marketing leads to inventory, leads to cash flow. And if you're not good at these other two pieces, doesn't matter how good of a marketer you are. If you're out of inventory, you're out of business. Absolutely. How do you, when you're talking to a seller, how do you know what is the right amount of inventory to order instead mm -hmm. of over ordering or under ordering? I feel like a lot of people would miss the target more often than non under order. Yeah. What, how are we, how are we preventing this or how is so stocked preventing that? Yeah. So that's a matter of um, setting a buffer stock. And, you know, you have to consider what is the longest possible time that it could take for your inventory to arrive, you know, and beginner sellers will have to potentially ask around. And I think, you know, for beginner sellers, you really have to find a good network and ask questions. And, you know, good network means that, you know, their track record, it may be a little bit more difficult because um, a lot of people like to share their opinion, whether they're <laughs> right or not, you know, um, Welcome so, to social media, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but you know, you have these these uh, masterminds, these paid masterminds out there that you can become a part of, where they are curated by people. Um, so sometimes those types of networks or masterminds are extremely valuable at preventing you from making mistakes. Um, you know, so in terms of you know how to plan the inventory, right? You want to make sure that you have enough of a cushion and on on Amazon, you know, you have a you would have a cushion on Amazon. You may have a cushion now. More more than likely, you're having to have a cushion outside of Amazon. That wasn't as common, say, beginning of 2020 and, and earlier, but it's more common nowadays. Um, the the first thing that you need is, especially with your best sellers, try to have a cushion of say 30 days of inventory there. Uh, and you need to do that calculation based on your adjusted daily velocity, right? Making mm -hmm. sure that you know on a on a good day how much are you selling, on an average day how much are you selling, and um, 
the, the other reason to have that amount of inventory at Amazon is that Amazon does something called geo ranking and right. geo ranking is like ranking based on the location. And some of that has to do with how it's selling in that, that area. But a lot of it also has to do with um, the amount of inventory in that area. And, you know, the thing that you have to realize, there's only a couple of things that Amazon promises. The, none of those things are that your product is going to be good. And, you know, the majority of what they're promising is that it'll be easy to return that thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And also that um, that that for their prime day, for their prime members, they're going to get it there in two days. And that's Amazon's promise. That's, you know, so that so they want enough inventory spread throughout the country so that they can get it in two days. Right. I'm driving from California to Texas right now. And, you know, that takes two days. So if I only have inventory in California and I want to go to the East Coast and someone, you know, someone wants to buy it on the East Coast, Amazon doesn't necessarily want to make my product as readily available. So it might start pushing me down the ranking because it doesn't think it can get the, the product to the customer on time. Or, you know, it might also start showing your competitors ads versus your ads, you know, on PPC. So these are things that are occurring in Amazon's algorithm. So having enough inventory is important. So having a buffer stock at Amazon, that's one of the things that the software does. You say, okay, I want 30 days of, of buffer stock. It'll calculate what does 30 days mean? You know, what does it mean right. based on your velocity? What does it mean based on your sales plans? What does it mean, you know, looking forward? What does that 30 days look like? And it's going to adjust itself based on the season. Here's my, here's my question and kind of my beef with Amazon. Amazon in itself as a consumer, or we as a consumer, we order something, even though it has a prime badge and it's sold by Amazon, mm -hmm. doesn't 100% of the time always get to me in two days. Yep. Again, depending on the time of day, but there's no repercussions, right? That's mm -hmm. because they're either purchasing the products uh, themselves, but there's no repercussions. Yeah. For sellers, on the other hand, you get significantly you know, penalized yeah. if that doesn't continuously happen. Uh -huh. Where where is the protection for sellers in that case? It's expensive to keep up with those same ideals that the Prime yeah. badge gives you. But when Amazon doesn't deliver on their own quote unquote promises to a consumer, they yeah. don't have to live by the same rules. Is it because they make it? They can play. It's almost like playing tag with a friend, right? I'm I'm on base and I can't get tagged. I'm constantly safe. <laughs> is that is that is that kind of where Amazon's standpoint is, is yeah. they're never going to get tagged i mean amazon is very good at making rules that they don't have to follow <laughs> right. and it's kind of the cost of you know playing in their sandbox you know uh same thing where you know we had a product that we connected to another product amazon was doing the same thing and yet when we did it we got slapped you know and we ordered inventory based on these two products being connected and one product borrowing the, the traffic and the reviews from the other product and, you know, after we placed that order, we were told, you know, you, you'll be suspended if you do that again. And so we had a bunch of inventory that, you know, we're so, still selling through. It's just, you know, these crazy things that happen that, you know, it it makes it it makes it so that Amazon is um, has it has the competitive edge. However, there are companies and or there are there are entities and there are states and there are senators who are looking at Amazon and trying to um, 
to stop some of these things from happening. So there are people who are trying to regulate some of this. And I believe they're a, a bit better in Europe uh, uh, about doing some of these things. You know, for example, uh, in the U.S. account, I believe after 2017, I think it was, you they hold back 40% of your payment. And that's something that I don't think they do in Europe because I think that it was the government just said, no, you're not allowed to do that. So I think it's enough of enough pressure on our personal governments probably to try to make these changes. You know, one of them was Amazon has all this data about um, our products and they then start sourcing their own product and they have Amazon basics. And, you know, some, some people are saying that's not okay. And they've actually brought them to court on those types of things. So it's probably, you know, just bringing enough pressure to bear for them to play by the same rules. Absolutely. So when, if, since we are an international company and we're always trying to find efficiencies in the matter, again, ping pong is paying in local currency. What are some tips that sellers can get their inventory quicker instead of getting, if it's a major supplier, instead of you at the bottom of the list in terms of uh, priority or just, you know, who is going to be working on your products first? How do you get to the top of the list? What, what are some of the tips that you would suggest to sellers in order to start getting, staying ahead of everyone else? Yeah. Um, so one of them, which I found out about after talking to, um, to Hanu Worldwide, to Afa Lobby from Hanu Worldwide, mm-hmm. um, he's partners with Norm Farrar. And yep. um, we did a series with him. And one of the things that he brought up was, um, was high speed ocean. And I had no idea that there was something called High Speed Ocean. What and, is that for us that don't know? Yeah, so um, it's it's just an ocean that an ocean freight that goes faster. So oh. if if for example, simply a boat, a <laughs> bigger yeah, boat yeah. or faster boat. <laughs> exactly, uh, we need a bigger boat, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just uh, something that goes faster. So I am not sure what the ocean freight or the high speed ocean freight is right now because everything is a lot longer, but back in when things were normal, it would be instead of 30 days, you could get it in 12 to 15 days. Holy and shit. so it was not as mu- as expensive as air freight. It was a little, it was more expensive than ocean freight, not as expensive as air freight. And it was, you know, uh, twice as fast. Interesting. So yeah. it's just a quicker boat, faster inventory, getting from one to the other is, I always hear air freight versus, you know, water obviously on the water. And there's complete dif- distinctions between the two. At what point is it make sense for consumers or I should say sellers in this case mm-hmm. to start using air freight versus what's that tipping point air, air yeah. freight versus water freight? Yeah. If you're going to stock out and you can affordably send a little bit of extra to prevent a stock out, um, it's more important now than ever because of the way that Amazon calculates restock limits. Amazon does not have stockouts in their calculation, meaning that if you stock out, your restock limit is going to be much lower. So they're not doing daily adjusted velocity like we recommend everyone to do. And so it sometimes makes sense even more now than before to um, to send inventory in by air if you're still going to be profitable and you're and you know you just want to you only want to send in what you need. Um, don't undershoot that because you know obviously that's going to be an issue with for you as well. 
but um, so send send what you need and then send the rest by by C. Mm -hmm. That makes yeah. more sense. So it, obviously we're talking about a lot of people assume I'm getting my goods from China, which again, I believe 90%, 75 to 90% of most sellers are getting their goods from China. Yeah. What is What about inventory in different parts of the world? Do you guys account for that or what's kind of the, if you had to rank them in terms of the easiest countries to source from yeah. with inventory, is China always pretty much going to always be number one? I would assume that. Most, correct? yeah, most sourcing, sourcing agencies and freight forwarders that, you know, we've dealt with have been from China. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, especially sourcing, I think that, there's just not the same network of um, vendors and resources in those areas, right? If you imagine mm -hmm. that you want to do an inspection, you have to go find an ex inspection company that has boots on the ground, you know, in Vietnam or in Pakistan, for example, mm -hmm. if you're sourcing from there, uh, a little bit less common. So it's just, you know, the market is in China right now. I think that, you know, that'll start kind of shifting over. Um, India's got some export that, you know, is... Um, you know, good quality and, um, you know, and, and then locally, you know, there's more things that are moving locally, especially in the supplement space. Is there, is there an emerging market that you're keeping an eye on personally in terms of supplier chain logistics or any sort of country or marketplace? Not that, I, no, not that I've personally um, been keeping an eye on I talk to a lot of sellers and majority of them are still in China. Yeah. Okay. What about uh, marketplaces in general? Uh, if I'm a seller and I'm trying to send goods to, mm -hmm. for example, the UK, that, that's a big one that a lot of our customers are saying, I just don't want to get into the UK because I have to figure out all the different restrictions. I have to double my efforts because of, it used to be just in the UK and it could just fulfill all throughout Europe. Yeah. I'm curious about Europe in your mind easier or harder than it was a year ago to get into and to figure mm -hmm. out logistics wise? I think it's a little bit harder because you have that split and, you know, mm -hmm. you are crossing customs lines. If you, you know, go between the UK and the EU that could change. There's still a negotiation on whether to open the border uh, for goods, but I haven't heard anything recently about that. So yeah. So with Brexit, there was that split and, you know, and then also having to figure out what countries you had to, you know, have a VAT license in. And so it is a bit more complex than um, than just the U.S. You know, you've got a lot of the U.S. now, the states have um, leaned on Amazon to make Amazon responsible for sales tax. So, you know, whereas I started, I'm, I was paying 14 states, now I'm paying two. And... Right. Um, some people were just like, there's no law, so I'm not paying. And, you know, they kind of held their breath and waited for it to sort itself out and they never paid sales tax. So in terms of the, the you know, being complex, I think that Europe is a lot more complex in that way. Right. And, and I mean, it's just a, a cost barrier to a, a lot of sellers think it's not worth the effort to put into that. Um, a little bit buried, lowered buried entry would be nice. But as people start to figure out, I think we'll start to see more sellers grow into UK more and obviously Germany and all those different marketplaces that are emerging. Mm -hmm. I, I never asked you the question. The big, the biggest thing for people is always asking me, how can I grow my margins, mm -hmm. especially when ordering inventory? Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I know you guys just wrote a blog article on it, but I'm curious to hear from your your mouth. Mm-hmm. What are what are some ways to easily start increasing our margins besides either ordering more inventory or just raising the price and selling it for a higher cost? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, keeping in stock is is a great way to grow the margins. Um, this this tip that I mentioned before about storing some of your inventory outside, um, you know, in your Chinese warehouse for either cheaper or oftentimes free, that can be huge because if every month that you have your inventory in storage, it's costing and you're making less every single month on that same order. Um, So that's a big one. And then another one that, um, that people don't really think about is their, is, is looking at the configuration of their packaging. Um, and I don't mean their product packaging, I mean their carton packaging. So for example, you know, if you're sending, sometimes you have to send one off and I'm, and I'm seeing that probably more often you're sending one off cartons, you know, loose cartons as opposed to pallets in some of these cases because of the restrictions. Um, what ends up happening is you, your warehouse is charging you every time. They're charging you per pallet fees. They're charging you per carton fees. So making sure that your um, your pallets and your cartons are actually um, properly consolidated. Uh, for example, we looked at the cost savings of one of our slower moving products. We we're storing at, I think, six units per carton. And, and then we looked at, okay, well, what if we bumped it up to 10 units per carton? What would the cost savings be over a year? And I think it was $8,000 over a oh, year's wow. time just in reconfiguring the, the carton. So that's something to look at. Um, it's also It also makes sense to, and one of the ways that we want to move the software is to look at It's busy. Yeah. You guys are on the road. No worries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, so one of the things to look at is, is, um, the, we talked about the, the configuration of things, but also, um, how is, is it cheaper to ship by sea? Is it cheaper to ship by air and store, you know, say you send everything by sea and then you store it. Is that cheaper than, you know, sending smaller orders, you know, more frequently, um, because every time you send something by sea, you're paying, you know, certain flat costs. So the more you send, the let, the more that flat cost gets dispersed <clears throat> throughout all of your units. But so you think, okay, I send everything over by sea, but then does the storage cost end up canceling out, um, the, the savings? Is it actually more expensive over time? So those types of calculations being done, and we never take time to do those calculations. And that's one of the, the things that we're going to be moving into later on this year is doing those calculations so that you can actually see, we call it um, cash flow modeling or logistics modeling to be able to see what is going to occur uh, down the road and, and what's going to be more profitable. I would, everything I'm hearing, it would be beneficial to have a company that has all these brands in their umbrella. And I'm alluding to like aggregators. Yeah. Are you guys talking to businesses that are helping forecast at scale, all these different moving parts because people like a Thrasio or an elevate brands or heyday, any of those brands that have hundreds of brands under one umbrella mm-hmm. is something like this able to forecast all those moving parts or can you consolidate it so that they are be more efficient 
say, hey, if we moved all of our inventory and sent it all at once instead of three different ways a day mm -hmm. apart, is there, is there ways to do that? Or have you there guys are thought ways through to that? that? We, haven't, we haven't gone into that yet. We're, we're in the inventory side of things, then we're going to be moving into the cash flow and logistics side of things. And that's definitely where we want to head. Um, for example, container calculator. That's one of the things that we're going to be building into the into the software. And you know, container calculator is simply, you know, what it sounds like, and we'll calculate. Okay, what is you know what is the um, cost of you know sending everything? Should can I send everything in this one container? And if not, you know, what can I hold back? What what is prioritized, and what can I hold back? Absolutely. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of just like, there's so many different rabbit holes to go down, but for, for the sake, I know you guys are on the road, so I'm not going to take too much more of your time because, so what's kind of the, the next rest of this year, right? Chelsea, that we're forecasting major events. I'm thinking of specifically, specifically for so stock would think about would be, it's probably too late to plan for prime day at this point. You're not, you're not buying inventory. You wouldn't get here in time. I'm assuming. Correct. Have you yeah. guys, Kind right. of that ship, that quote unquote ship has sailed already. Um, uh, what are we planning for? Q3, Q4, already Q1? Yeah. For next yeah. Year? I think that that's, you know, people are moving in that direction to start uh, definitely planning for Q4. So, you know, your Q3, Q4 needs to be, um, needs, needs to be put together. Like usually it used to be around August, but nowadays I think it's, it's a right now type of situation. Yeah. And so, June, May, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and and you know, and ask your ask your suppliers, you know, also, but but then don't trust that. Like, do you know? Start planning for before what they say, because um, it it can get surprising. You know, we had you know, because you'll you'll have products where you're used to a certain timeline, and the timeline is way off. You know, we have a product that we ordered in January, we're still waiting for it. It used to take wow. 60 days. So, you know, so that, so there are, are stockouts that occur, you know, that are completely outside of your control because the, the lead times double or triple. So that's something to know about because there are shortages in um, different industries, you know, for, for example, uh, mining, they say, okay, you can only mine, you can only have either have this many people or mine this many days, or, you know, they're, they're putting restrictions because of COVID it's cutting down on the capacity and it's cutting down on the amount of time that can be spent to produce those, those goods. And so there are raw material shortages. And so that's one of the things that, you know, you should maybe pay attention to if you have a stainless steel product, if you have a, you know, plastics product, kind of learning what the, the raw materials shortages are and, the easiest way to do that is to ask your supplier, what are the shortages, you know, in my supply chain and how can I, is it possible to purchase more raw materials? So that way your, your cash flow isn't completely shot, but you're purchasing raw materials for a bunch of product um, and just paying for that cost. And so that they have it on hand or, or regularly paying, you know, in some way. But the whole idea is that, um, the whole idea is that you need to you need to understand the raw materials now more than ever because there's so many shifts in those markets that are hurting um, the manufacturing. Absolutely, and good yeah. friend he just commented on there. Uh, Francois said, "Don't yeah. forget about Chinese New Year and prepping for that already, yes. just because that's a time of year that I've I've never understood until this past year of once you go on holiday, 
even when they return that first couple of weeks, mm-hmm. you're still, you're actually training new workers. So even quality might not be as high and that's not for anyone's fault, but just people getting up to speed and understanding that maybe it's best to order a lot more with your Q3, Q4, even the beginning of Q1 inventory shipment yeah. before you, you hit your uh, spring shipment as well. So, yeah. but Chelsea, where, where can people learn about? So stocked, I know I mentioned uh, the, in the show notes earlier, all of the different ways that they can follow you on social media, but also the website. Is there a way to get in touch with you or a best way to contact you directly? Yeah. Um, so to learn about so stocked, you just go to so stocked.com. And then to connect with me, go to sostock.com forward slash connect. And all my socials are there. My email, um, you know, uh, link to demo calls. If you want to jump on a, a live demo call with one of our one of our team members, uh, it's either going to be our new hire, Jeanette, or uh, my, my own husband. <laughs> so They're in the background making all that noise with your dog. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> well, my I'm husband, gonna, me- yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Let me uh, let me grab that real quick, and I'll throw it in the uh, chat below um, as well. Are you doing any sort of events coming up or speaking engagements in the year? I'm not doing. In terms of speaking events, um, haven't haven't done any of that. I I we will be at Prosper though, so we're bringing nice. our team to Prosper, and we'll probably you know host something or something like that. Um, find a way to get you know get people together, and you know have a few drinks or something like that. Absolutely. That's, that's the event everyone's circling on their calendar for sure. So we'll make sure we, we stay up to date with that in terms of seeing you guys at prosper. Yeah. Ping pong will be at prosper. We'll have a booth as well. I know it's going to be a little bit smaller, but uh, in terms of events, we're dipping our toes into the proverbial water again. And Uh I know the world will hopefully, you know, be a little bit different in terms of what that looks like here in July already. But Hey, thanks so much. I know you're traveling and, I know you mentioned I can't miss this. So I appreciate that wholeheartedly. Um, Be safe on the road out there. I know it's kind of crazy traveling right now, but thanks so much, Chelsea of SoStocked.com. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. No problem. Take care. Awesome. Again, everyone, thank you for joining us again on Crossover Commerce episode 107 of Inventory Marketing. Go ahead. If you missed this live episode, go ahead and rewatch on YouTube. Follow us on social media. Make sure you follow Chelsea Cohen on social media on Facebook or Instagram. All those links are going to be on the show notes below. Go and connect with them directly. Fantastic stuff and content that they're pumping on Instagram. I swear all week I've been reading blog articles and information posted by them. Just really high level thought leadership that they're pumping out. Make sure that you follow them and are subscribing to their newsletters as well. Also, go ahead and subscribe to Ping Pong Payments newsletters as well. There's great content always coming out with guest blog posts, current blog posts that we're pumping out. And of course, yours truly will be pumping out content as well here shortly. Make sure that you check that out. Subscribe to all of our channels on social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. We're going to be at all the places for future episodes. Tomorrow is going to be a roundtable of selling into Southeast Asia with my uh, colleagues from all around the world with MerchantSpring.io, VAT Global, and of course, Novaland uh, with Francois and uh, Lisa tuning in earlier from uh, before. But make sure you tune into that live on our YouTube page. Go, the link will be posted later today. And then, of course, on Friday, I have Anthony Lee of Canopy Management. I'll be go ahead and give a little teaser for him. He's going to be hopping on, talking about neuromarketing, behavioral economics. Don't know what that means. We're going to find out. 
he was super excited about it. But the nerd in me is saying that we're going to talk about data analytics and the customer mindset. I'm super excited about that. So don't forget to tune in then. Again, I'm Ryan Kramer, host of this show, Crossover Commerce. Take care, everyone, and be safe.